Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 1 podcast. In this episode, we go over the topic of Escherichia coli from the microbiology section on MedBullets.com. Let's start this episode with a clinical snapshot. A 76-year-old woman presents to the emergency department for altered mental status. She currently lives in a nursing home and was brought to seek treatment by her daughter. She was noted to be confused over the course of a few days and developed a fever. Her temperature is 101 degrees Fahrenheit or 38.3 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 133 over 99 millimeters of mercury. Pulse is 101 per minute and respirations are 20 per minute. Physical examination is notable for being alert and oriented to self but not time or place and suprapubic abdominal pain. A urinalysis is remarkable for being leukocyte esterase positive. Urine culture grows Escherichia coli. Let's now get into the topic. Let's start with a brief introduction. In terms of classification, Escherichia coli or E. coli is a gram-negative bacilli. In terms of epidemiology and incidence, this is the most common cause of UTI in women. In terms of the microbiology and reservoir, the reservoir is the gastrointestinal tract. Transmission is via fecal-oral route, urethral ascension, catheter, and aspiration. Properties include enterotoxins, fimbriae, the K antigen or the capsule, and the H antigen or the flagella. The heat labile enterotoxins increase CAMP and heat stable enterotoxins increases CGMP. The shiga-like toxin inhibits the 60S ribosomal subunit impairing protein synthesis. With respect to associated conditions of E. coli, you would have enterotoxigenic or ETEC, enterohemorrhagic or EHEC, note that this can result in hemolytic uremic syndrome, enteroinvasive, or EIEC, neonatal meningitis, and urinary tract infection, or UTI. Let's now move on and discuss the clinical presentation of E. coli. We'll go over the various different associated conditions, their respective presentation, their respective diagnostic studies, and their respective treatment modality. The first associated condition is enterotoxigenic, or ETEC. With respect to the clinical presentation and symptoms of ETEC, you would have watery diarrhea that occurs after returning from a resource-limited area. In terms of the diagnostic studies for this type of condition, it would mainly involve a clinical diagnosis and no diagnostic studies are required, and the treatment is supportive treatment. Moving on to EHEC, or enterohemorrhagic E. coli, the main symptoms here are bloody diarrhea and no fever. In terms of the physical exam findings, you would notice abdominal tenderness. Note that hemolytic uremic syndrome, or HUS, which can be a result of enterohemorrhagic E. coli, or EHEC, is associated with the strain O157-H7. The triad of this syndrome is acute renal failure, microangiopathic hemolytic anemia, and non-immune-mediated thrombocytopenia. In terms of the diagnostic studies for EHEC, you would have sorbitol McConkey agar, as 0157 H7 does not ferment sorbitol. Other diagnostic studies that can be used are enzyme-linked immunosorbent assay, or ELISA, and polymerase chain reaction, or PCR. In terms of treatment, the treatment is supportive care. Antibiotics are generally not beneficial, and its use has been associated with the development of HUS. Moving on, the next associated condition is enteroinvasive E. coli, or EIEC. The symptoms in this begin as watery diarrhea and can lead to bloody diarrhea with pus. 
the organism invades the intestinal cells to multiply intracellularly and then invade adjacent intestinal cells. In terms of the diagnostic study to diagnose EIEC, you would use the Sereny test. And in terms of treatment, treatment involves supportive care. Moving on to the penultimate associated condition, neonatal meningitis. The symptoms of neonatal meningitis include irritability, lethargy, poor tone, and seizures. Physical exam findings include temperature instability with a fever or hypothermia and bulging fontanelle. In terms of the diagnostic studies for this, you would do a lumbar puncture. And in terms of treatment, treatment would involve ampicillin and cefotaxime or ceftazidime in ampicillin-resistant strains. And finally, the last associated condition is urinary tract infection or UTI. E. coli that causes UTI would present with symptoms of dysuria and urinary frequency and urgency. In terms of the diagnostic studies involved, urinalysis and urine culture would be needed. In terms of treatment, treatment would involve trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole, phosphomycin, and nitrofurantoin. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. First question. A 25-day-old infant boy presents to the emergency department because his mother states that he has been acting irritable for the past two days and has now developed a fever. On exam, the infant appears uncomfortable and has a temperature of 39.1 degrees Celsius. IV access is immediately obtained and a complete blood count and blood cultures are drawn. Lumbar puncture demonstrates an elevated opening pressure, elevated polymorphonuclear neutrophil, elevated protein, and decreased glucose. Ampicillin and cefotaxime are immediately initiated and CSF culture eventually demonstrates infection with a gram-negative rod. Which of the following properties of this organism was necessary for the infection of this infant? 1 type 1 fimbriae, 2, LPS endotoxin, 3, K-capsule, 4, IgA protease, or 5, M-protein. And the correct answer choice is answer choice 3, K-capsule. The K-capsule is a virulence factor of E. coli that enables it to infect the CSF and cause neonatal meningitis. Remember, E. coli is a gram-negative rod that along with group B streptococci and listeria causes neonatal meningitis. Neonatal meningitis is a medical emergency and requires immediate treatment. It typically presents with a febrile infant that can also display irritability, poor appetite, vomiting, diarrhea, and bulging anterior fontanelle. Let's now review two citations related to this topic. The first citation by Hamilton et al. review the evaluation of fever in infants and young children. They state febrile illness in children younger than 36 months is common and has potentially serious consequences. Hospitalization and antibiotics are encouraged for infants and young children who are thought to have a serious bacterial infection. Suggested empiric antibiotics include ampicillin and gentamicin for neonates, ceftriaxone and cefotaxime are indicated for young infants, and cefixime, amoxicillin, or azithromycin are indicated for older infants. The next citation, by Hamburger, reviews the diagnosis, initial management, and prevention of meningitis. 
He states that although the annual incidence of bacterial meningitis in the United States is declining, it remains a medical emergency with a potential for high morbidity and mortality. Empiric antimicrobial therapy based on age and risk factors must be started promptly in patients with bacterial meningitis. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice 1, type 1 fimbriae virulence factor of E. coli, allows for infection of the urinary tract causing cystitis and pyelonephritis. It does not contribute to meningitis. Answer choice 2, the LPS endotoxin virulence factor of E. coli, causes septic shock, not meningitis. Answer choice 4, IgA protease is a virulence factor seen in strep pneumonia, H. influenza type B, and Neisseria that cleave IgA and allows for the colonization of respiratory mucosa. E. coli does not contain IgA protease. And finally, answer choice 5, M protein is a virulence factor expressed by group A streptococcus that helps prevent phagocytosis. E. coli does not express M protein. Next question. An 8-year-old boy is brought to the pediatric emergency department by his parents with a complaint of abdominal pain and diarrhea for the past week. He states that for the past two days, he has noticed blood in his stool. His parents note that they attended a neighbor's barbecue last weekend, but otherwise have not eaten any new foods or changed their usual diet. The patient is admitted to the hospital unit for further workup. The provider team finds that the patient's blood is positive for shigal-like toxin and notes the following lab values. Creatinine of 4.2 milligrams per deciliter, platelet count of 50,000 per cubic millimeter, and hemoglobin of 6.0 grams per deciliter. Which of the following additional lab findings would be consistent with the diagnosis? 1. Blunting of villi on ileal biopsy. 2 crypt abscesses and ulcers on colonic biopsy, 3. Microthrombi within glomerular vessels on kidney biopsy, 4. Foamy macrophages in the intestinal lamina propria on duodenal biopsy, or 5. Sickling of red blood cells on peripheral blood smear. And the correct answer choice is answer choice 3, microthrombi within glomerular vessels on kidney biopsy. This boy's presentation of bloody diarrhea and thrombocytopenia is consistent with hemolytic uremic syndrome caused by shigal-like toxin of enterohemorrhagic E. coli, which may have the characteristic finding of microthrombi within the glomerular vessels on kidney biopsy. Remember, E. coli 0157-H7 is most commonly transmitted to human hosts through the consumption of undercooked meat as well as raw, leafy vegetables. Shiga-like toxin enhances cytokine release to cause the clinical manifestations of hemolytic uremic syndrome, which include thrombocytopenia, microangiopathic hemolytic anemia, and acute kidney injury. Microthrombi form on damaged endothelium within the glomeruli, leading to mechanical hemolysis, platelet consumption, and decreased renal blood flow. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice 1, blunting of the villi on ileal biopsy, also known as villus atrophy, is characteristic of celiac disease. Answer choice 2, crypt abscesses and colonic involvement are more common of ulcerative colitis. Answer choice 4, Foamy macrophages in the intestinal lamina propria on duodenal biopsy is characteristic of Whipple disease caused by infection with Trophorema whipplei. And finally, answer choice 5, sickling of red blood cells on peripheral blood smear would be found in patients with sickle cell disease. 
In contrast, a patient with hemolytic uremic syndrome would have the finding of schistocytes on peripheral blood smear. In summary, E. coli 0157-H7 is associated with hemolytic uremic syndrome characterized by thrombocytopenia, microangiopathic hemolytic anemia, and acute kidney injury. And that's all for this review about Escherichia coli. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from these MedBullets Step 1 podcasts so far, please consider leaving us a 5-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you are not already, be sure to follow MedBullets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 1 podcast.